This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Joining us here on the COVID report, we have Rafilwe Tladi, a tour operator who runs her own tour operations, sharing with us how she has done during the pandemic. Thank you so much, Rafilwe, for joining us here on the COVID report. And firstly, the South African tourism industry contributes billions of rand into the economy. There is no doubt that this pandemic has had devastating effects. How has your business been affected by COVID-19? Um, you know, the pandemic, it, it was so bad. You know, when you're not ready for something and then it's it, it, like when you blink, then everything is on a zero, you know. You don't get any um, inquiries. You don't get any um, an opportunity to, to, to invoice. You know how much I missed sending out those invoices out to clients. So the pandemic, you know, it, 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 it was so bad. It was so bad. My company literally hit a zero in a split second. Um, the industry, the tourism industry was affected um, in a massive way, you know. We were not ready for this. Um, from tour operators, hotel owners, guest lodge owners, everybody, we were affected. Um, we didn't have any money that was coming in. We couldn't provide. We couldn't go to the office and just try and do something else. But for some some people that actually didn't put all their eggs in one basket, they could survive. and. My fellow colleagues that are in this in the industry with myself or friends, they have survived, and I'm I'm so grateful that we are out of it together. We are here, um, ready to to work again. Were you able to benefit from the money government had set aside towards tourism, and if so, how so? Yes, yes, yes. Um, the money did assist us. We the, we had to um apply um for for the funds. And yes, most of us did um, apply, and then we got the funding from government, which was like we were allocated about fifty thousand rands per company. But um, it's not everybody in the industry that got this fund because you had to um, qualify to get it, and some people did not qualify. I don't know what criteria they used. Um, so yeah, luckily I was one of the lucky ones. I did get the funding, the fifty thousand rands. Um, it sustained my company for a while, and then also UIF, you know, my employees got something from that as well. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that, it was great. It was a great assistance, but it didn't, to be honest, it didn't get us very far. But, it, well, it did, it closed a bit of the uh, gap. That's great to hear because we often hear on the radio show here that not many companies did qualify. So we're glad to know that some actually did so level two and the allowing of interprovincial travel must have come as a welcomed news. How has business been since lockdown level two and what has changed for you? Mm. You, you know, luckily, the, the nice thing, it, it was so exciting to get my first inquiry. You know, I was jumping up and down my house like, yay, somebody's inquiring, you know, <laughs> because people are also excited to get out there. People are also excited to explore our, our country and to travel again. I'm so excited for that. Um, we're not there yet, but we're gradually getting there. I'm getting those inquiries. I'm sending out invoices. Thank goodness. So it means now business as usual. Um, a lot of people are still skeptical, you know, to move around, especially moving around in our vehicles, because as you know, as tour operators, we've got our own vehicles. Normally, we, we um, prefer taking out, um, taking group tours. No, it's, you make better money there. However, people actually prefer self-drive right now, but at least they're still inquiring via us. Um, and yeah, they're going out, whether it be it day visits, 
uh, be it a weekend out, we are sending out those um, quotations and invoices now. So I'm so grateful for Level 2, you know. Um, things are really picking up. Um, yeah, and eventually we will get there. We're not there yet, honestly, but yes, we're going to get there. And in the process of getting there, we still have travel restrictions for international tourists. What impact will this have on the industry? Um, you know, the, with, with regards to international travel, it, it, it's, it's actually a very tricky one because it, it now proves that we were not being ridiculous when, we were, when we've been requesting local rates from local tourism destinations, you know. But now they're feeling the pinch because... Without tourism, um, without international travelers, they only dealing with domestic travelers. And some of us as um, domestic travelers, we're not prepared to pay the rates that they actually charge us. So international travel, you know, companies like Sun City, for example, they delayed their opening dates because they know that most of their clients are international travelers, you know. So, but they took the risk. They opened now. Um, hopefully they'll survive it. But uh, with regards to the economy of South Africa, um, your international travel was actually boosting the economy in a massive way. But um, this will teach um, us as locals to travel more and travel our country more and enjoy our country more. Now, what trends can we expect from the travel and tourism industry as a result of the pandemic? And what are some key changes we are going to see? Um, the little change that I've been picking up now is that um, most travelers are now preferring self-catering units. It's a different trend, trend because normally when you go on vacation, you don't want to do anything. You know, you just want to sit down and relax. Everything must be done for you. But for now, they prefer self-catering units. And our people are actually now opting for camping, funny enough. You know, people prefer camping now and, and hiking. You know, hiking, people have taken a huge interest in hiking. So those are different things that I've been picking up. And it, it's, we were not even used to doing this, you know. I know that proper measures are put in place due to the pandemic, you know, all the establishments. Um, and group travels are going to be limited, you know. Uh, and funny enough, at this moment, I thought people were not going to be traveling. I thought they'll still be scared. But people are traveling. People are excited to go out there, you know. Um, even though, like I said before, um, as a store operator, as we, pre we prefer group travels, you know, but for now they are very limited. They are very limited. People prefer going in a small group of friends, four, five, six maybe, you know. Yeah, self-catering, camping, hiking, those are the latest trends. And how do ordinary South Africans support the industry in ensuring that it services this period? Um, people must continue social distancing, you know, and I'm glad that, that they're actually opting um, for um, small group travels, not group travels, but like, um, uh, you know, family travels and stuff like that, and they're avoiding group travels. So it, 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 it helps in a, in, a, in, in a huge manner. And um, if you don't have to go anywhere, you know, literally, I see clubs and stuff like that, they're open out there, but I just hope that people can avoid such you know avoid such and yeah it's good to travel go out there have fun but do it in a responsible manner uh, they can help government by being responsible the pandemic this disease it's still out there so we have to be extra extra careful 
Now, you touched on this briefly earlier on, but South African tourism spots are often accused of being too expensive for locals. At a time when international travel is not possible, what is the industry doing to attract the local market? And should we be expecting an adjustment in prices? Yeah, that's, that's a very tough one. Um, yeah, yeah. To be honest, some of the establishments around my area, especially in the Northwest province, where I operate from and also the free state, they have come to they have come to the idea of reducing their rates, you know, to accommodate um, local travel. But with some companies, it's still a tricky one. It's, it's still a battle that we that still needs to be fought. Um, we've been like tourism. Uh, sorry, TBCSA has also been in talks with regards to this, and um, it, it's really a tough one because as as as, as a traveler, it, it's kind of. It's, it's, it's a lot of money to spend on a game drive. For, for example, if you have to spend 750 rands on a game drive per person, it's a lot of money. And, you know, those are the same rates that they charge the international travelers. So the sooner we win this battle, the better, because, yeah, it's hitting us bad. And now, as I've said, the establishments are feeling the pinch. And some companies, yes, they have re-looked at their rates, but, yeah, some are still... You know, I think it, I think it's just a matter of surviving. They want to survive um, the money that they have lost. That's why they're not coming to the game. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's a battle. And in the speaking of surviving, how long do you think it will take to have the industry fully recovering from this pandemic? And do you believe that it can recover? Remember, the tourism industry is the longest industry to 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 recover. We still we're not there yet. We're still recovering. So my estimation will still be. Um, for next year, people will still be wondering if they should travel or not, you know. So it means there's another whole year, you know, of safety. So I would say I'll give it another two years for the tourism industry to go back to where it's been. Because now the international borders are not open because I'm sure our president is also worried that if he opens, now new things are coming into the country, you know. So... To be safe, um, and I would say about two years, yeah. 2021 and 2022 most probably, and then around 2022, we'll start picking up. And you are a proud woman in tourism. What would you say has been your biggest challenge existing in the industry? Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, no. The challenge is um, competing with the, with the big guys out there. You're with a challenge. You know, um, when you start a business, you're thinking you already have a plan where it's going or where it's heading. You know, the goals are set and stuff like that. And then once you're in it, then you feel that, yeah, this is, this is a challenge. It's, it's, it's not easy because if you, like, for example, with myself, I've got a Sprinter, I've got a Quantum and a seven-seater vehicle. And then you get somebody, this big guy with these big buses, you know. Um, and now whenever I have got big groups, now I have to outsource the vehicles. You know, so yeah, competition is tough out here, but I've been doing and working the best of my ability. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's tough as, as, as a woman out there, especially as a tour operator. You know, most women in the industry, they opt for owning guest houses, guest lodges, you know, restaurants and stuff like that. And then I decided to play with the big dogs. Uh, yeah, it's been a challenge because as a woman, when you achieve certain things in the industry, it, you know, there's always uh, things that go around like she gets this because, gets this because. Why can't it be because she's a hard worker, you know, she's a go-getter. She goes, goes out there and gets what she wants and then she comes home with it.
So, yeah. And in the same spirit, we know mothers who sell beadwork at exhibitions or Vilakazi Street, those running BNBs, have not had any income since the beginning of the lockdown. Is there any support available that is directed at the women in tourism specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm ex- excited to announce that um, the Department of Tourism, I think two year, about two years ago, yeah, we launched a, a women in tourism uh, a forum which has different structures in different provinces. So we've got such bodies that we belong to as women in tourism that protects us and, you know, uh, builds us to be better. So there should be these local tourism bodies in your area as women. Um, there is one in Gauteng, there's in Northwest, and inside Northwest we've got different just districts, you know. Uh, so in Gauteng, Bumalanga, Limpopo, all the, all the provinces, we do have the, the, the Women in Tourism Forum. So if you're a woman out there and you, 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 um, you are in the tourism industry or your company belongs in the tourism industry, uh, please get more information and um, join this forum. They, they help us. They help us a lot. And speaking of women in the industry, what should be done to encourage more women to get into this multi-million rand sector? And what kind, and they should join the forum. How do they join the forum? Mm. Okay, so now I, we, I think all the provinces, the women in tourism chapters, all the, in the, all the provinces, we've got a, a um, Facebook or social media handles. I know for sure we've got uh, Facebook. So if you go to Facebook, if you're in Limpopo, go to Facebook and search Women in Tourism Limpopo. It will pick up Women in Tourism Bumalanga. Same goes for Northwest and other provinces as well. Just go there, um, they'll chat to you, and then they'll send you the registration forms, and then you just join like that. And then what we do is whenever you've got a product to sell or a product to get out there, uh, we do so for you. You know, we um, organize that, we um, um, showcase it on on our uh, Facebook page so that the world knows about it. And then South African Tourism also assists in this regard. Um, Department of Tourism also assists in this regard. So, yeah, just register at your nearest branch. Now, we cannot let you go without some travel tips. Which top three places would you recommend for young travelers looking to tour South Africa on a budget? The gems that not everyone goes to. Yeah, that's exciting. That's the most exciting part. Um, you know what? I, I have to promote my province as well, the Northwest Province. Come to Northwest Province. Come and see Ten Flags. We've got a new outdoor um, center here in Rustenburg, just outside Rustenburg, where you can do ice skating, quad biking, go karting, all these nice activities. It's new, you know, and they've got nice restaurants there where you can sit and chill. Literally, you can just pop there in the morning. You can leave late at night. There's lots to do. And I would also say I did the West Coast tour with South African tourism last year. Or was it early this year? Yeah, sometime there. Um, yo, the tour was fantastic. You know, have you ever had gin with tea? You know, you do such. And I'm, I'm sure the youth out there would love such. We did gin and tea pairing. And we went to this um, place. It's called Mace Boss Garib, Um, The seafood Chisanyama. You know, yo, that, that place, it's like just by the ocean, beautiful. We did sandboarding, we did quad biking there, amazing. And then Clarence as well, guys. Clarence, oh my God, no. And the Eastern Cape. <laughs> hole, in the, hole in the wall, Coffee Bay, kayaking, 
there's lots to do in South Africa, guys. Our country is beautiful. You know, let's take those short lists. Where can our listeners find you and your company? Great. You can find me on all social media platforms. I've got a YouTube channel where I showcase all the hidden gems and products in South Africa where I go um, because I do my tours um, a lot of times. So on my YouTube channel, Travel with Fifi. Um, Instagram, you can also find me as Travel with Fifi or my the main company, Talera Tours. Facebook, Refile Tladi or Talera Tours, Shuttles and Safaris. On Twitter as well, Travel with Fifi. And that was Rafilwe Tladi, a tour operator who runs her own tour operations business, sharing with us how she has survived the pandemic and what she sees the future to be like. Thank you so much, Rafilwe, for joining us here on the COVID Report. Now, we are joined by Lebuhang Mulife from Mukhwase Guest House, sharing with us how he has survived the pandemic and what he sees the future to be like. Thank you so much, Mulife, for joining us here on the COVID Report. Now, you run a 10-bedroom bed and breakfast near Sun City and the Pilansburg Nature Park. Tell us how the COVID-19 pandemic and associated lockdowns have affected your business and how you have survived. Thank you for having me. Uh, Look, uh, it has been quite a very difficult situation. It is our first experience of this nature and the COVID-19 has uh, really affected us uh, quite adversely in the sense that uh, our, our business is uh, linked to the performance of the National Park and uh, Sun City uh, Resort. Once uh, Sun City uh, was closed down, we all were bound to close down because uh, uh, of the relations that, uh, you know, are between us and the and the resort. Now, how many people work at your guest house, and were you able to retain them during this time? We have about uh, six permanent staff members, and during this period, we managed to retain all of them, uh, all thanks to the uh, UIF uh, payment system that was specially arranged for COVID nineteen. Um, well, that scheme has come to an end now, we are not certain as to how business is going to unfold going forward and if we are going to be able to proceed as uh, we were before. We might have to uh, juggle around and change things on the basis of how we're operating so that we are able to uh, bring the business back to life again because as at this current moment, we are trading at about 10% because I think the people still have the fear. People have been, uh, some people have been laid off. There's a lot of cancellations. Some people have, uh, have lost uh, their jobs. They've lost their income. So it is going to be difficult to say what is going to happen with the staff members going forward, uh, but we will do our best to try and make sure that uh, we retain as many as possible. Now, you've mentioned that your employees benefited from the UIF, but were you as a company able to apply for the COVID-19 business support for your guest house? And how did that work out? Look, it was was impractical for us to access the COVID-19 funding because of the cumbersome conditions that were laid down by the Department of Tourism 
for starters, we, we require to have the financials and the projections uh, submitted as, as part of the qualification criteria. At that point, the accountants and all the bookkeepers who are assisting us were unavailable to could, uh, to could help us with the documents that were required. So we did not even apply because on the basis of the qualification criteria, we could see that some of the documents would not be there and we would not be able to, to qualify. I tried reaching out to a number of uh, service providers if they could uh, assist, but everyone was on lockdown. So it was just not possible. Now that we are on lockdown level two and people are able to travel out of their provinces, how has business been like for you and have you seen a change? The previous weekend was the first weekend that we have been on lockdown level two. There has been a bit of change. The, we were fully booked for the weekend, but I'm not certain if uh, I should attribute the, the bookings to uh, the level two lockdown level, or if it is people who had come to quite a number of funerals that were in the area. So it is uh, quite a bit too early to can assess and come out with the valid opinion on whether the lockdown level two is going to be uh, of advantage to us. What I am certain about is that, uh, you know, we are going into, we are into spring now. If Sun City is able to operate and the recreational facilities there are able to accommodate uh, more than 50 people as uh, it normally is, then I am certain that we would be able to fully operate. And when you are operational, how do you ensure the health and safety of your guests during their stay at your guest house during this pandemic? We are in alignment with uh, the regulations that were issued by the Department of Tourism nationally and the Department of Health. So we are fully compliant uh, with those conditions, uh, despite them uh, being quite costly for us, because you can imagine if... Uh, you check in today uh, and you check out after two days, the room is supposed to be disinfected. It is a cost to us and the people don't really have the money at the moment. You can't put the cost to the customer. You have to absorb the cost yourself, which means people expect the lower rates and a better service. So we, we, we are trying to, to juggle between, uh, you know, retaining a proper hygienic standard because you can't risk the people's lives and also making a little bit of money. So we are looking at uh, making as little as we can uh, until everything is able to return back to normal. Now, considering all that you have said and the potential costs, do you believe that government considered the tourism industry in the regulations and how else could they have better managed the situation? In my view, there, there is no easy way for, for us or for government uh, to, can, to can balance in our favor. We have a pandemic, there's a reality. Uh, the government has got the responsibility of saving lives. We as entrepreneurs also have a responsibility of ensuring that the people's lives are safe. So despite what we wish for, the reality dictates differently. Uh, 
let me give you an, an, an example. Sun City's main attraction during this period is uh, the value of waves. The cost of running the value of waves is far beyond the 50 heads that are allowed. So it is uh, cost effective for them to keep it closed. If they keep it closed, it means the people who would be coming to us would not be able to come because there won't be any entertainment for them outside the guest house. There's no one who wants to come to the guest house and stay at the guest house for the rest of the weekend. Uh, so if the government allows, let's say, more than 50 people uh, to go into the water facilities and uh, there's a second wave of the uh, of COVID-19, the blame goes to government. So it is quite a, it's a catch-22 situation. I think to, to an extent, it was uh, thought out well in the interest, weighing mainly on the interest of ensuring that people's lives are saved. Uh, but when it comes to the question of us bearing the cost, I think the government could have done better. I mean, there is, uh, there, are, there are some agencies uh, that are responsible for tourism that could be assisting especially small businesses with uh, non-monetary services. You know, uh, we should cover fumigation, uh, you know, we should cover disinfection of the rooms. The regulations can be altered, but if there could be support that we are able to uh, see some of the cost cut uh, it would really assist. And speaking more on the tourism industry, would you say that the coronavirus pandemic has changed how you see what you do and the industry as a whole? To a great extent, I think uh, the viruses will enhance the way we have been doing things and the way we are supposed to be doing things in the sense of... Uh, uh, health practices, uh, hygienic uh, methods, because the customer's uh, focus now is going to be whether the, the place that they're getting into is sufficiently hygienic, uh, it is uh, sufficiently clean. So on the positive, it will push uh, our standards to a higher level. Uh, so I, 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 I choose to view it uh, from an optimistic point of view that the uh, it will assist in that sense. Uh, on the other side, uh, the general outlook. I, th I think people are able to adjust. Uh, it is going to be difficult at the beginning of the resumption of business for people to be comfortable to come to uh, the facilities. But uh, as time goes, I think it will get back to normal and we will survive. And in speaking of survival, what is your establishment doing to encourage local tourism as the country remains closed for international travelers? We have formed a, an association uh, with uh, the people who are into transport, who are into tours, who are into camping. We call it the Northwest Tourism Owner uh, Support Base where we are putting packages together that are able to 
help us help each other so that uh, we encourage. You know, Pilanesburg is one of the uh, national parks that are just around us. We are putting up packages that are also encouraging people to go into the park and use us for accommodation. So we are putting together packages that are that are affordable and that are also encouraging people who are within uh, accessible vicinity to be able to access our services, uh, obviously within reasonable means. You have mentioned that you are now establishing, establishing packages that work with you in unison, making sure that we all help each other. Do you have any key recommendation for our listeners? And how are some of your packages looking? Okay, in, instead of offering accommodation alone from as a guest house, we have a package in which we include taking uh, guests into the national park. Uh, we, we have somehow reduced the cost of accommodation so that we are, not, we are able to uh, cover the access fee into the park for the guests so that uh, whenever, so that, you know, so that the accommodation part of things becomes attractive in the sense that there is a link to some entertainment that is outside the guest house. And we have also communicated to the to our colleagues in the transport industry uh, to be able to pick up the guests from our facilities, take them into the park, you know, just so that uh, there is meaning to why a person would go out. Because, uh, like I mentioned earlier, there's no one who wants to go out and just stay, you know, in a room for the for the for the whole period. You know, it would be the same as being quarantined for COVID-19. And no, we are definitely tired of doing that. So lastly, Mulefe, do you see the industry fully recovering? And how long do you think it will take? Or at least for your business, how long do you think recovery will take? I, I think uh, within, within a year or two, we would be able to fully recover if uh, we would not ex- experience uh, something else as drastic as what you have experienced as current at current uh, you know from from september to the end of january the other thing that is going to complicate things is that a lot of our bookings are linked to the school holidays the school calendar is seemingly going to be altered which is also going to change how things has been happening traditionally so September is quite an exciting period in our area because of the, you know, the value of waves, the water sports, uh, the outdoor life in the park. Uh, So we'll be able to observe within the next three months as to what the trend is going to be like. I can safely tell you that uh, for the past eight years that we've been in operation, December has always been fully booked at 100%. Uh, and I can I can see now some of the people who had uh, earlier effected cancellations for the period of uh, for the festive period are beginning to slowly triple back in, trickle back in. Uh, so there's a chance for recovery, uh, depending on what recreational possibilities are going to be available to the guests. 
That was Lebukhang Mulife from Mukhwase Guest House sharing with us how he is surviving the pandemic and how his guest house has made it through. Before that, we were joined by Rufilwe Tladi, a tour operator who runs her own tour operations business, sharing with us some of her plans post-COVID-19. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or stream via www.valfm.co.za.